you know, as Christians, we have to understand and, and be real with where we are. That's what we have to see first, individually. And what where our mindset is and what we desire. Eric the Addisons. I think what God is really calling us back to, it's those individual personal revivals in our own lives where we're like, oh Lord, what have we done? We have minimized you. Promoting truth, wisdom, and empowerment. As the church, man, we should be on the forefront yes. of making disciples, of indoctrination and godly things. If we don't train our kids, they will not be able to stand. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Good afternoon. This is Aaron Addison's here on American Family Radio. I am Will, and you're joining me today for Wednesdays with Will. Praise God for another Wednesday. And man, there's a lot that's going on, a lot that's happening, a lot happening in the news. Um, but first, I want to make sure that I get some announcement, uh, announcements out the way. Uh, you can email us at addisons at AFR.net, addisons at AFR.net. And I think all of those who email and want to uh, talk with us, we try to answer the emails as best we can. But if you, if you have a question or a comment or anything that you want to say, addisons at AFR.net. Also, uh, make sure if you want to be a part of the last and final date night, it's going to be November 9th in Little Rock, Arkansas. You go to marriagefamilylife.net. You can get all the details there. Make sure you register because we need to know how many people are actually coming out. That's uh, marriagefamilylife.net, and you can register there. It's a free event, but we need to know if you're coming. Also, we have, let's see if I can read this. We have our National Collection Week um, and so if you need information about Samaritan's Purse and what we do with Operation Christmas Child, uh, make sure you go to their website, uh, SamaritansPurse.org slash OCC. This is something that my family, we try to do every year. We kind of make made it a tradition where we get together and stuff shoeboxes uh, to be sent off to a, a child in another country who will be blessed by what's in those uh, shoeboxes. And the great thing also is that they follow up uh, after that, too, you know, with, with the gospel message and everything. And so, man, this is just a, a great opportunity uh, to do something as a family, uh, to think about other people. You know, uh, this is a great exercise in being grateful and also thinking about others. Uh, you know, our children, a lot of times they want some of the prizes and some of the toys that's going into the box. But. Hey, you can't have it. Our older children are kind of past that. But the younger ones, they, they want something as well. And so, but this is a great opportunity to show that we care about other people. Even ones that we don't know, we should have a heart uh, that they would know Christ. So you can go to SamaritansPurse.org slash OCC. Also, of course, you can go to uh, AFA.net and check out. We have the streaming going on. And so we can't be canceled because we own the streaming. How about that? And that's a great thing as well. Uh, today, well, first, before I get into what I was going to talk about today, you know, and I'm sure we're going to talk about this tomorrow uh, when Miki is on. But, man, I'm encouraged by the parents that came out and uh, voted and took a stand in Virginia, you know, to let uh, the powers that be know that they were not cool with what is being taught in the schools. 
You have to do that. You have to be active. You have to be involved. You have to understand and know what's going on. You have to be very, very, very um, involved, like I said, in your in your child's life and understanding what they're being taught. Because if, if, if not, you know, there are people who are taking those opportunities to give them something that they would like to, them to have, even if you are in disagreement. And so one thing that COVID did was it caused parents to know what was being taught to their children. And I think because of that, you know, parents became more active. They started to see, man, this stuff is is uh, destructive that they're teaching. And so I think a big part of that election uh, in Virginia and other places, I think it's going to be like that in other places as well. I know in uh, New Jersey, there's uh, a big election there as well. I think, man, you know, this is something that, that parents should take and say, man, we do have a voice. We can make our voices uh, known and heard. Uh, we do have, uh, you know, we can vote and we can uh, cast our ballot and, and let people know that we're not standing for the things that they're trying to push upon our children. And so I'm very encouraged by that. Uh, I know uh, Miki and I was talking about that this morning, and I know she's just chomping at the bit. <laughs> to to uh, talk about this um and so i'm sure i'm sure we're going to have a discussion about that but in light of that uh today i i want to simply talk about the gospel now this is something that i had a chance to uh, talk about recently at our local fellowship but i think it's very important that we understand how important the gospel is and, and spreading the gospel and our mandate as Christians to be ambassadors for Christ, you know, with the ministry of reconciliation that he has given us. Now, over my time as a minister, um, I've had many opportunities to do funerals, I, or either to conduct a funeral or, or even to like just um, speak at a funeral, you know, say a few words. But I, I've had a few instances where uh, I was doing the eulogy and able to present the gospel. One was my father who passed away. Um, I was able to uh, do the eulogy and, and preach and share the word at his funeral. Um, also, I had an uncle that I was able to say some words uh, at his funeral. Well, recently, I, my sister-in-law passed away. Uh, Miki's older sister, uh, I was able to conduct that uh, funeral. And it's something about a funeral. You know, everybody's sober because right there, laying right in front of, of you, is an example of where we will all be one day. Um, so that, put, that puts people in, in a different mindset. You know, they're thinking about their mortality. They're thinking about, man, uh, wow, I'm not right with God. They're thinking about their family. They're thinking about loved ones. They're thinking about, man, did my life really matter? Like, am I doing what I'm supposed to do? And so it's a great opportunity at a funeral <laughs> to share the good news. And like I said, I had some opportunities to do so. And I praise God for those opportunities. And I praise God that at those different uh, funerals that there were people who came to know Christ. And so that, that's, that's, that's a blessing because it changed people's lives. 
But in these last couple of years, we've experienced as a people a lot of debt. It's amazing. You know, you look online, you look maybe on Facebook or just, you know, in the news and you see that this person died. That person died. It seemed like it's so many, uh, like more than normal. And I know we have this this, uh, pandemic, so there was a lot of uh, death associated with that. But it seemed like, man, people are dying all the time. And it's true. But there's also people who are very much alive physically, but they're dead spiritually. And we see these people each and every day. Sometimes we work out with them or we uh, may work with them or, you know, just people that we may see in in our neighborhood, our neighbors. But there are people who are uh, right now, even though they're walking around, even though they are you know, carrying on in life. They're dead. They're dead. And this should do something to us as believers. This should this should do something to stir us up that man, people are on the brink of busting hell wide open if they die today. And I don't know if we think about that. I don't know if we think about that. But we are seeing some things happen today in this country. And if I was to run down the list like our brother did on the show, um, I forgot which, which day that was, but he did it uh, beautifully. He did it beautifully. It was lawlessness, sexual perversion, violence, the throwing off of authority. Man, drag queen pageants happening in, in schools. <laughs> Parents being called domestic terrorists for going actively to school board meetings. That's what's going on today. Freedoms being stripped away. Corrupt leadership. Educational brainwashing that's happening. The whole transgenderism issue. Border, I would say insecurity. Uh, Fraud in elections, and people can debate about that. Coercion and mandates from the government. All these things are happening. People are dealing with so many things today. And so these things continue to put us in different mind mind frames. Like there's a a higher rate of depression right now. You know, you have young kids who are more and more depressed because of really social media and the things that they're comparing themselves to. All this stuff is is happening at, at one time. And sometimes we get the question, even on this show, The question is, how do we get our country back? Well, I think we had a good example yesterday of, you know, some encouragement of being active and standing upon certain principles and making that known. But when you ask the question, how do we get our country back? How do we make America great again? Well, my question would be, in return, do you really love this country? If the answer is yes. Well, that means that it's a priority for the body of Christ to be about living and sharing the gospel. If we say we love this country, if you are patriotic and you desire, you know, the best for this country, well, in order for that to happen, if you are a believer in Christ Jesus, we should be actively living and sharing the gospel. Why? Because that's the only thing that's going to change the heart of man. 
That's the only thing. Changing the heart of man through the gospel, through man being born again, is the only way that this nation or any nation would experience change. The way things change is if people's hearts change. And this is how the founders uh, set this country up, that it has to be governed by a people that fear God. And this is actually true for every nation uh, to thrive. But it's in this country, from the early writings, you see that it was founded upon morality and godliness. Now, some people may say, well, those men were not godly. Well, all of them may not have been, but there was a definite respect for the ways and the principles of God. Definite respect. The Bible says, blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord, the people whom he has chosen for his own inheritance. That's Psalm chapter 33, verse 12. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. And so that would tell me that a nation is under destruction or a curse if their God is not the Lord. And I'm not saying that being a Christian nation or uh, submitted to God in name only just because I'm American, I'm Christian. No. Talking about the reality of being in Christ, the reality of submitting to his precepts, the reality that God governs things and that we are to fulfill his plan. If you say to me, how do I get my country back. How do we make America great? There's only one way, and it's not through political gains. That's important. But it's that the heart of man would be changed. And the only way that the heart of man can be changed is through the power of the gospel. This is, this is the answer. We've tried other things, and we have the same results. But when man's heart change and morals are instituted and immorality is shunned, you have a changed nation, a changed people. This is Aaron Addison's here on American Family Radio, Wednesdays with Will. We'll be right back. Addison's here on American Family Radio. I'm Will Addison, and this is Wednesdays with Will, and we're talking about the gospel, how the gospel of Jesus Christ is paramount. It's what's needed for any good to take place, for any change to take place. The gospel has to be uh, spread. We can't get away from that. You know, you, you, you will wonder why um, you would get maybe your candidate in office 
you know, uh, the person that you desire with the principles that you feel like are the best. But still, on the ground level, things don't really change. Um, why does that happen? You get the Supreme Court people in, that the justices that you want. And in actuality, they seem like they kind of change once, once they get there anyway. But what's happening on the ground level doesn't change. You see, God has placed us where we are in our different locations for his glory. He has set our boundaries and where we uh, live. And so where we are, we have to be about spreading the good news of the gospel. Now, the founders, they understood that in order to have a society and a nation um, that they uh, deemed as being a, a great nation, that God had to be at the head, that the word of God had to be paramount, that the gospel, that morals, that integrity, those things that only come from being good, and you can only be good <laughs> through being you know, godly, because none of us are good. It's only what God has done through us that, that any good comes about. But the founders understood this, and you can read it in their writings. I want to read a few of these quotes. Now, these are quotes from different ones, leaders, founders of this nation. And it's, it's important to, to, to catch the common thread in all of these quotes. So George Washington, in his farewell address, he declared, of all the dispositions and habits which lead to political prosperity, religion and morality are indispensable supports. In vain would that man claim to, trib to tribute or patriotism who should labor to subvert these great pillars of human happiness. As President John Adams, he proclaimed, we have no government armed with power capable of contending with human passions unbridled by morality and religion. He said, our constitution was made only for a moral and religious people. It is wholly inadequate, wholly inadequate to the government of any other. Wow. Wow. Our constitution was made only for a moral and religious people. So when you don't have a moral and religious people, what kind of government do you have? Well, it becomes wicked. Because the way that things were formed here was that we vote, we make decisions, and our, our leaders are ones who serve us. So if we're putting in place leadership that's not good, well, it's probably coming from an overflow or outflow of the general population lacking morals because our leadership is going to reflect us. John Adams, he said, it, uh, it is religion and morality alone which can establish the principles upon which freedom can securely stand. Religion and virtue are the only foundations of republicanism and all free governments. Religion and morality. Samuel Adams said religion and good morals are the only solid foundations of public liberty and happiness. Neither the wisest constitution nor the wisest laws will secure the liberty of happiness of a people whose manners are universally corrupt. 
a general dissolution of the principles and manners will more surely overthrow the liberties of America than the whole force of the common enemy. <laughs> While the people are virtuous, they cannot be subdued. While the people are virtuous, they cannot be subdued. But when once they lose their virtue, they will be ready to surrender their liberties to the first external or internal invader. Mm. Are we seeing that happen today? I want to read that last part again. It says a general disillusion of the principles and manners will will more surely overthrow the liberties of America than the whole force of the common enemy. While the people are virtuous, they cannot be subdued. But when once they lose their virtue, they will be ready to surrender their liberties mm, <laughs> to the first external or internal invader. I'm telling you, this is part of the foundation. If you want to see a great country, we better get back to God. There's no other way. Charles Carroll, a sign of the declaration, said without morals, a republic cannot subsist any length of time. They, therefore, who are decrying the Christian religion, whose morality is so sublime and pure, are undermining the solid foundation of morals, the best security for the duration of free governments. <laughs> you want free government? Well, you better have morality. You better have Christianity. Patrick Henry said, righteousness alone can exalt them, America, as a nation. He says, reader, whoever thou art, remember this, and in thy sphere uh, practice virtue thyself and encourage it in others. Practice virtue and encourage virtue in others. It says, the great pillars of all government and of social life, I mean virtue Morality and religion. This is the armor by my friend. And this alone that renders us invincible. James McInerney. He said the Holy Scriptures can alone secure society, order and peace. And to our courts of justice and constitutions of government, purity, stability and usefulness. In vain, without the Bible, we increase penal laws and draw entrenchments around our institutions. Bibles are strong entrenchments. Where they abound, men cannot pursue wicked courses. <laughs> the word of God makes us secure, even as a nation. So when you want to put all that kind of stuff out of school and out of just out of daily life, well, you bring danger. You lose your security. For avoiding the extremes of despotism and anarchy, the only ground of hope must be on the morals of the people. I believe that religion is the only solid base of morals and that morals are the only possible support of free governments. Therefore, education should teach the precepts of religion and the duties of man towards God. Hmm. That was from Governor Morris, a penman and signer of the Constitution. 
Look at that. What should be taught? The precepts of religion and the duties of man towards God. Wow. They wouldn't say that about our schools today. What? Teach religion and how man should interact with God. No, no, no. They want to teach sexual deviancy and CRT and all this foolishness. And because of that, we have what we have. Had our voice that could be heard from New Hampshire to Georgia, it should be exerted in urging the necessity of disseminating virtue and knowledge among our citizens. On this subject, the policy of the eastern states is well worthy of imitation. The wise people of that extremity of the Union never form a new township without making arrangements that secure to its inhabitants the instruction of youth and the public preaching of the gospel. Hence, their children are early taught to know their rights and to respect themselves. They grow up good members of society and staunch defenders of their country's cause. David Ramsey, revolutionary surgeon, a member of the Continental Congress. He said, man, they train them up early in the ways of righteousness. There's a public preaching of the gospel. He said, had I a voice that could be heard from New Hampshire to Georgia. It should be exerted in urging the necessity of disseminating virtue and knowledge among our citizens. On this subject, the policy of the Eastern States is well worthy of imitation. The wise people of that extremity of the Union never form. They never form a new township without what? without making arrangements that secure to its inhabitants the instruction of youth and the public preaching of the gospel. Hence, their children are early taught to know their rights and to respect themselves. Man, this is, this is foundational. This is the reason I believe that America has been blessed as long as, as it has been. When you lay a firm foundation upon the principles and the ways of God, God honors that. But when you turn away from that, oh, yeah, it's going to crumble. It's going to crumble. He said they grow up good members of society and staunch defenders of their country's cause. We've gotten so far from this. This is the, ra- the last one that I'll, 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 I'll read from Benjamin Rush a signer of the declaration. He said, without this religion, there can be no virtue. And without virtue, there can be no liberty. And liberty is the object and life of all Republican governments. And without the restraints of religion and social worship, men become savages. Look, say what you want to say. We can debate about the founders and the writers and all but man, what one thing they did understand, even with all of their flaws, is that blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. They understood that to build this thing, it had to be on a firm foundation of morality, of virtue, of the word of God, of the preaching of the gospel. And if you want to live in a great nation, it has to be a nation whose God is the Lord. It has to be a, a nation who, whether, whether people of God, the believers in the body of Christ, are light shining in darkness. 
that we are preaching the gospel, that we are sharing, that we are making disciples of men. That's the only way. The only way things will change in this country is if the hearts of man change. This happens when the church takes seriously its mandate in spreading the gospel. Paul declared in Romans chapter 1, verse 16, and everybody knows it. You know, you got it on the hat, on the sticker. Say, if I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith as it, as it is written, but the righteous man shall live by faith. So I will submit that some of the reasons things are the way that they are is because of the church being lax on its job in sharing the gospel. This is a life-changing, this is a heart-changing gospel. So a question, when was the last time you shared the gospel with someone? You know, a lot of times we fall back on spouting off political things, and I'm not, look, I'm not badgering politics, but we default to talking about politics because we don't feel comfortable sharing the good news. We can spout off all the things happening around us in the world. But when it comes down to sharing the gospel with someone, we find ourselves to be timid and tepid, even afraid at times. It's easier to talk about what's going on in politics. It's easier to say, man, this is happening, man. You know, man, the country is doing this and that. Man, look at what's going on. This administration, blah, blah, blah. It's easier to, to do that than to share the gospel. That's why we default to that most times. So when was the last time you shared the good news? Some of you out there may be like, man, you know, I don't know if I really have a good handle on what the gospel is. Look, Miki and I, we go around, we go to churches, um, we do family things in churches. One thing that we do in our church, and we take this on the road as well, is that with the young people, we quiz them on how much they know. And a, and a lot of times, you know, they don't know what it means to truly be a Christian or what the gospel is. They, they really can't tell you in a way that would be simple to understand what the gospel is. Some adults don't, don't even know. So after this break, what I'm going to do, I'm going to share the gospel. I think we all need to know what is at stake, what, what the gospel is, how to relay that. I'm not going to take for granted that everybody listening to me, if you were called on right now to share the gospel, that you wouldn't know how to do it. So we're going to talk about that after the break. Look, once again, and I can't drill down this on this enough. The cries for our nation to be, you know, taken back and to be to live in a good place. This only happens when you have people who are submitted to God. And the only way that that happens is the. The, the, the sharing and the spreading of the gospel. This is Aaron Addison's Wednesdays with Will. Be back right after this. If you 
This is Aaron Addison's here on American Family Radio, Wednesdays with Will, and we're talking about the gospel, how the gospel of Jesus Christ is paramount. The gospel is of the utmost importance, and I want to share the gospel. You know, a lot of times you don't hear, you, you may hear all kinds of things, even in, in the church, but you, man, sometimes you don't hear the gospel. You know, we need to have uh, this readily on our minds and on our hearts to share. So what is the gospel? Well, the first thing is we all have a problem and it's sin. We all have a problem and it's sin. Sin is in our DNA. So what is the good news or or, or the gospel? Well, that's why we have to start first with the bad news that we all are are sinners. The Bible says in Romans chapter 5, verse 12 to 14, Therefore, just as though, as through one man sin, into the world and that through sin and so that spread to all men because all sin. So all sin. So that spread to all men because of Adam. For until the law, sin was in the world, but sin is not imputed when there is no law. Nevertheless, that reigned from Adam until Moses, even over those who had not sinned in the likeness of the offense of Adam, who is a type of him who was to come. So you have the first Adam and sin entered in through Adam's disobedience. And we all are affected. There's no one that can say I'm not sinful or I have not sinned. Romans chapter three, verse 23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. How many is all? That's everybody. All. Uh, Ephesians chapter two, verse one through three. It says, and you were dead in your your trespasses and sins in which you formerly walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, of the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience. Among them we too all formerly lived in the lust of our flesh, indulging the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, even as the rest. This was our condition. If you're not, if you, if you uh, are not in Christ, if you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, this is your condition right now. Right now, dead in your trespasses and sins. Children by nature of wrath. Romans chapter 3, verse 10 to 18. As it is written, there is none righteous, not even one. There is none who understands. There is none who seeks for God. All have turned aside. Together they have become useless. There is none who does good. There is not even one. Their throat is an open grave. With their tongues, uh, they keep deceiving. The poison of asps is under their lips, whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. Destruction and misery are in their path, and the path of peace they have not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. If you're in a condition right now where you don't know Jesus Christ, this is who you are. And we all have been there. Because there's none that have been righteous. No, not one. But there's consequences to sin. Sin separates us from God. In Isaiah chapter 59, verse 2, it says, But your iniquities have made a separation between you and your God, and your sins have hidden his face from you so that he does not hear. 
if Ephesians chapter 2, verse 12 says, remember that you were at that time separate from Christ. This was our state, separate from Christ, excluded from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. I don't care how much money you have. I don't care, you know, how life is so good for you. If you are apart from Christ, you have no hope and you're without God in this world. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 12. 1 Peter 2.10 says, For you once were not a people, but now you are the people of God. You had not received mercy. At one time, no mercy. But now you have received mercy. One time you were not a people, but now you're the people of God. So sin separates us. But sin causes you to miss heaven. Those who are not born again will not enter into the kingdom of heaven. Now the deeds of the flesh are evident which are immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmities, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, disputes, dissensions, factions, envyings, drunk, drunkenness, carousing, and things like these, of which I forewarn you, just as I, I have forewarned you, that those who practice, those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Your sin may not be on this list. That's why Paul says, and things like these. But if we're practicing these things, that's a red flag that we would not enter the kingdom of God. Galatians chapter 6, verse 8. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the spirit will from the spirit reap eternal life. That's the only way. But also. Sin. It leads to physical and spiritual death. Ezekiel chapter 18 verse 20 says. The person who sins will die. Hmm. The person who sins will die. But the son will not bear the punishment for the for the father's iniquity. Nor, the, nor will the father bear the punishment for the son's iniquity. The, righteous, the righteousness of the righteous will be upon himself, and the wickedness of the wicked will be upon himself. Sin leads to death physically and spiritually. Romans chapter 6, verse 23, for the wages of the payment of sin is death. But the free gift of God is eternal life in whom? In Christ Jesus, our Lord. If you're away from God, if you have not repented of your sins, the payment for that is death. Yes, physically, but also eternally separated from God. That's the bad news. So this is the case against mankind that we in our DNA, we have sin. All have sin. And that if you're away from God, if you don't know God as Lord, matter of fact, if he does not know you, if if he don't know you. You cannot enter into the kingdom of God. So what is the answer? And the answer is Jesus. The answer is Jesus. The Bible says in Romans chapter five, verse six through eleven. For while we were still helpless at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. That was all of us. For one will hardly die for a righteous man, 
though perhaps for the good man, someone would dare even to die. But God demonstrates his own love towards us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from the wrath of God through him. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, much more having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. And not only this, but we also exalt in God through the Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received the reconciliation. So, folks, while we were at the height of our sin, while we were busting hell wide open if we if we would have died, while we were having fun, we thought we were having a good time. Christ died for the ungodly. So it's now is on us to accept that gift of Jesus Christ to repent of our sins. This is a gospel. The good news is that Jesus came. He died. He rose again. And now he's at the right hand of the father making intercession for those who are in him. John chapter 3, verse 16 and 17. Everybody know this one as well. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send the son into the world to judge the world, but that the world might be saved through him. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4 through 7. But God, being rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our transgressions, made us alive all, uh, together with Christ, by grace you have been saved, and raised us up with him, and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the ages to come he might show the surpassing riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. This is the good news. What do we have to do? We have to accept this. We have to believe that Jesus Christ is who he is. We have to repent for our sins. We have to turn from those wicked ways and accept the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. He made a way for us through his son that we can be redeemed. First John chapter two, verse one and two says, my little children, I am writing these things to you so that you may not sin. And if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. You have this advocate if you are in Christ and he himself is our sacrifice, our, our, our uh, propitiation for our sins. And not only for ours only, but also for those of the whole world. This is the good news. This is the good news that's been applied to us because of our faith in Jesus Christ. Why wouldn't we share this? People who are the walking dead right now, they're, they're walking around, but they're dead in their trespasses and their sins. We have the antidote. We have the answer. The answer is not more politics. The answer is not, you know, just be a good person. Or the answer is not more programs or whatever in our churches. The answer is the gospel of Jesus Christ. And until we uh, promote that, until that becomes our default, when we're talking with people, we're going to continue to see the moral decline that we're experiencing in our nation. Now, this is the good news. This has been applied to those who are in Christ. Why wouldn't we share this? Because of this, we have been saved from God's wrath. 
We are now uh, commissioned with the message and we're supposed to spread it. Once we have this message, we don't sit on the bench. We're just not waiting for Jesus to return. And then, you know, no, we are, we are occupying until he comes. Second Corinthians chapter five, starting at verse 11, it says, therefore, knowing the fear of the Lord, we persuade men, but we are made manifest to God. And I hope that we are made manifest also in our consciousness. We are not again commending ourselves to you, but are giving you an occasion to be proud of us so that you will have an answer for those who take pride in appearance and not in heart. For if we are beside ourselves, it is for God. If we are of sound mind, it is for you. For the love of Christ controls us. For the love of Christ controls us. Having concluded this, that one died for all, therefore all died. And he died for all, so that they who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who died and rose again on their behalf. Therefore, from now on, we recognize no one according to the flesh, even though we have known Christ according to the, the flesh. Yet now we know him in this way no longer. Therefore, this is my birthday scripture that was given to me by my brother, birthday Dave. Second Corinthians 517 birthday is 517. <laughs> Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. The old things passed away. Behold, new things have come. Now, all these things are from God who reconciled us to himself. Praise God through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. There's no bench warmers in the kingdom of God. If you have been born again, you have been given the ministry of reconciliation. Why? Namely, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them. And he committed to us the word of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God were making an appeal through us. Man, this is powerful. We are not to be just in the background. We are to be salt and light as God were making an appeal through us. We beg you on Christ's behalf, on the behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. That's the message. You who are out there don't know God, be reconciled to God. Understand that you're on your way to destruction, but we're crying out, be reconciled to God. This is what's going to change this nation. He made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Amen. And in summary, we all have a problem. It's sin. We've all been affected by it because of Adam. And because of this, the wrath of God is upon us. But there is hope because Jesus Christ, his sacrifice and trust in him. It eradicates all of that. This is the message that will change our families. This is the message that will change our communities. And this is the message that will change our nation. If you want America to be great again, preach the gospel. This has been Aaron Addison's here on American Family Radio. Be back with you tomorrow, Lord willing. Until then, God bless. <laughs>